Hey everyone. So my guest for today is my good friend, Caleb Earl. Caleb and his wife, Eva, are the field directors for a gap year program in Northern Italy. They focus on mentoring young adults between high school and college, walking alongside them as they navigate that turbulent time of their lives. Caleb grew up in a homeschooled family in the American Evangelical South, what a lot of people may know as the Bible Belt. Through his travels, college education, and curiosity, he began to discover that the framework he had grown up with needed to be re-examined. He is also the co-host of a podcast called Rethinking Christianity that focuses on discussing the questions we were never allowed to ask in regards to theology and faith. All right. Well, hey, Caleb, thanks for uh, for coming on. Uh, you're a good friend of mine. Um, so it's great to take some time to uh, talk with you for a bit. Um, before we get started, do you just want to like uh, say a little bit about who you are, what you do? Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I'm super pumped to talk with you today. Um, and uh, yeah, so my wife and I, Eva, we are in Northern Italy. Uh, we both grew up in Georgia in the United States, uh, but now we've been here for about a year and we work for a gap year program um, that hosts American high schools. Well, they're finished with high school um, students to do a gap year before university, before they go to college. Um, and so they come here for nine months and uh, we are involved in different projects in the area. We work with different churches um, and evangelistic projects, things like that. Um, and the students learn the language and um, learn the culture and, and basically just have a, a time away from their comfort zone to just really be stretched and explore um, explore their faith in new ways that they never have. And so uh, my wife and I are in charge of the responsibility of mentoring these students as they come and planning their schedules out. So uh, we love what we do. Uh, we love working with young adults, with students. Uh, we think this is such a crucial time in our life because you're really discovering who you are and uh, answering a lot of big questions um, that you've never really asked before. Um, so we're passionate about that. And yeah. 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 No, I, I like that. Um, you basically just get to come alongside people that are, you know, fresh out of high school, trying to figure things out and they're in a whole new place, a whole new culture environment, um, you know, where they, probably don't know the language um, and everything's new. And I know for me being in situations like that has has been uh, in the beginning, extremely stressful and frustrating and challenging, um, not just, you know, like to your faith, but also um, emotionally and relationally um, of just being out of your comfort zone. So yeah. I think that's a really cool thing um, that y'all are able to do. Um, and so with that, I kind of want to talk about um, just your own faith upbringing. Um, I know living in Italy um, is likely a very different experience than what it was like for you growing up in the South, uh, you know, yeah. in Georgia, in the Bible Belt, um, surrounded by people that uh, probably thought very similarly, um, if not the same. So um, I know you and I have had some conversations over the past year or so um, just about our own faith and things that we've wrestled with and continue to uh, question and work through. Um, and so that's been super life-giving for me. 
Um, I remember a few months ago, um, I had the great opportunity of coming to hang out with y'all for a weekend um, in Italy, which was such a gift and um, probably one of the best weekends uh, just in the past year. So just being able to hang out with y'all. So yeah, just like, um, what was it like growing up? Like, how would you describe your faith upbringing? um, Yeah in in georgia what was that like for you yeah well uh i grew up in a christian household Uh, my dad was actually a pastor for the first five years of my life and uh he eventually got really burnt out with uh some of the background operations of the church that he was actually the two churches that he was pastoring at the same time in the rural south of georgia Mm -hmm. um just a very difficult position to be in Um, And he got really frustrated with some of the business parts of ministry and things like that. So he actually stepped away from full-time ministry when I was five and we moved back to Atlanta, uh, the Noonan area where I grew up, where my parents both grew up and met and got married. Um, And so I always kind of grew up in a pastor's household, feeling like a pastor's kid, because even though after my dad left full-time ministry, everyone around us in our, in our circle, in our family, still kind of viewed him as a pastor. We were super involved in church. Uh, We were encouraged to serve and help and be a part of whatever was going on. And we were homeschooled. So Mm. uh, we were just doubled down in the uh, mainstream American evangelical Christian world. Um, And there were a lot of things that I loved about that. And I still Mm. look back and, and do love about that. Um, You know, I, I, even though you grow up and you kind of learn, you learn some new things and you start to question um, some of the things that you were taught growing up. I think it's still important to recognize the good, you know, Mm, Um, and there was a lot of good and it's, it's hard when you're confronted with questions you didn't know you had. Um, Mm. So it's hard to not look back and be like, man, I wish, I wish somebody would have told me that I wish somebody would have given me more space to explore that question. Mm. Um, but I, I want to start off by just recognizing that um, I think there are good people, you know, and I, I know my parents yeah. are incredible um, and I don't think any of it was in, intentional. Um, I'm really happy that I grew up in the household that I did um, and was given the um, framework that I did because it gave me some sort of order uh, mm. at the beginning. You know, Richard Rohr talks about uh, the need for order at the beginning mm. because you can't start in disorder. And yeah. so the problem is when you don't transcend the order and move mm. into disorder mm. and then go back into reorder. Um, and that's a cycle that happens to our life. Anyway, we'll probably get to some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I was homeschooled. Um, we were actually seen as the more liberal homeschoolers <laughs> because we were allowed to watch Disney Channel. <laughs> oh, um, no way. Disney exactly. Channel. Yes. So oh. we actually, sometimes I kind of felt like we were the heathens in the homeschool group <laughs> um, because of things like that. Um, 
but I just from the very beginning, I, I really did have an interest to be at church. I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to participate in everything. Um, and as soon as I could, as, as soon as I was old enough to step into a serving role, I did. You know, I was helping my mom when she was working with the preschool. And then when I got to middle school, I was helping with elementary school ministry. When I went to high school, I was helping with middle school ministry, you know, um, and eventually joined staff uh, at Crossroads as an intern for a little while. Um, and that all just led to a passion for helping people grow in their faith. Mm. Um, and I've always, I've always had that, you know, it's changed and evolved and morphed throughout the years. Um, but I'd say even today, the one thing that is still the same is that I do, uh, I do love helping people walk through their faith. Mm. Um, so when I got, went to college, I was on, of course, leadership with the college ministry. Um, And that's when I kind of got involved with, um, I don't know, I started taking my faith and my theology a little bit more seriously. Um, Not that I, not that I did it before, because I was at church all the time, but Mm. it started to become super personal and deep uh, in college. Um, And I really started to experience God for the first Mm. time um, in just ways that I can't deny, you know, some of those supernatural experiences that you have that you just, you don't have any other explanation for. And even now with the questions that I have, mm. I still don't have an explanation. I just know that there's something there. Um, and so that curiosity about God and the deeper world of God and the things that i I didn't really know growing up kind of led me to some of the more charismatic areas of American evangelical Mm. Christianity. Um, I went through Bethel's worship ministry school online um, and I was on leadership for a Southern Baptist college ministry. (laughs) So you can imagine (laughs) worship with a Bethel style in a Southern Baptist (laughs) was a roller coaster. Um, yeah, wow, I bet. It was very difficult. And I felt I felt so frustrated um, so much of the time um, because there just was such <laughs> disconnect. Yeah, um, yeah. There's two kind of views. Um, so yeah, and, and I kind of stayed in that for a while. Um, I, I'd say that things started to really shift in a more drastic way when... I finished college and I was part of another college ministry um, those last couple of years that really just started to make me think differently about mm. um, the way that I was doing ministry. And I started to have some questions that I didn't really know what to do about, you know, um, I, because I was kind of, because I was homeschooled, you just can't help but kind of grow up with this mindset that, um, anyone who's not a believer knows that they're deliberately disobeying God and they're deliberately <laughs> rebelling against the way that the Christian church tells you that you're supposed yeah. to live. So you just kind of live with this snooty view of yourself. Mm. At least I did. I, I, I don't want to assume that of everybody, but I know that myself and many other people from the community that I grew up in, I just, I see that a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, COVID, um, COVID started to change a lot of things too, you know, just watching, uh, I mean, not just COVID, I, I mean, really just the whole year of, uh, of yeah. COVID of seeing 
the nastiness of the evangelical right Mm. um, politically, the resistance to conversations about racism, Mm. the idolatry of Trump um, and our own views and theological doctrines that we follow more than Mm. we follow the ways of Jesus. Mm. Um, So many of those things I started to really think about for the first time. I, I knew they were there. I knew that nastiness was there. Mm. kind of sensed it, but I had this, I had this feeling that I couldn't think about it or question it because Mm. these people were Christians. And if I were to speak out against any of this stuff, um, I would be, I don't know, seen as a heretic or, yeah. um, Scapegoated even. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was just really nervous about doing that. Um, but I just, I start, I feel like I really started to find the freedom to question things when I realized that questioning is not bad and it's not a sin. Mm. Having doubt is not a sin. Um, And exploring, exploring your doctrines and your faith loosely as a way of just wanting to understand God and exploring all of the options, you know, the the different theological views is helpful. It sharpens you. Mm. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't know how to do that growing up because you're, and you're just kind of taught that, uh, this is the way things are. You need to accept it. Don't worry about it. Don't question it. Don't think about it. Just accept it and tell other people that they need to think about it too. Yeah. Um, or they're gonna, they're not going to have a good time with God. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, uh, it's been, a, I've been involved in a lot of different areas of the American evangelical church. Um, but and I still am, you know, I yeah. still am. I love, I love the church. I love being a Christian. Um, what those things mean are evolving and mm. I'm, I'm growing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how you keep saying that word evolving, because I think that's a very, um, that's a freeing word to use, I think, um, because it's, um, yeah, like, uh, the the word like like I I personally am perfectly okay with using the word deconstruction like I'm I'm absolutely fine with that, yeah. um, but because of where I'm located, um, I understand that for a lot of conservative Christians that that word is uh, threatening or, um, yeah yeah I guess threatening is the right word they hear that word and it's just it's a it um, sounds an alarm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a catch-all for for yeah. you know, and and it's viewed in such a very negative sense. Mm-hmm. And so, while I am perfectly okay with using that word, I understand that if I'm trying to talk about faith transitions with people who are coming from a more conservative evangelical background, that may be for the conversation. That may not be the best word to use. Right. Um. And so, I really like that idea of evolving faith which um i'm sure you're probably familiar with like sarah bessie and rachel held evans yes who you know they have the evolving faith conference i think is well you know the yes. late rachel held evans um unfortunately but um yeah so they use that word um as long as many others and i think that's just a really helpful way of talking um about questions and doubt and deconstruction of being like hey like this is actually an ongoing process that is 
your, your entire life, things are going to change and shift. And that is perfectly okay. Like that's, that is, that's just the reality of being human. You know what I mean? Um, And we see that all throughout the scriptures. We see, Mm -hmm. we see people's faith evolving the way that they view God and the way that they understand God Mm -hmm. shifting all throughout the scriptures. Yeah. And so I, I hear your frustration of like, basically the cognitive dissonance of growing up with very black and white, you know, these kind of rigid ideas about what it means to be a Christian or to even just be a human. Mm-hmm. And then you have these experiences, um, whether that's COVID or whether like, it, you know, during the time of COVID and, and witnessing, um, you know, things like racism um, or, um, you know, the, the rise of Trump and just the blatant Christian nationalism that has existed for centuries um, and yet has just become even more, um, or in in my perspective, um, has become even more um, out there, right? Um, And so I'm interested in, as you talk about, you know, wrestling with questions that you've had, whether that's theological like doctrines or whether that's, you know, political stuff um and the and the way that christians are engaging with um the world and each other um what have been like some helpful people or books or tools i know you you mentioned richard Rohr earlier um who is phenomenal but um yeah just like um things things are people that have been like really helpful and resourceful for you yeah well so i started think or looking for these people when COVID started and I started to like have those questions and that curiosity started to really bubble up. And I was like, okay, you know, I really need to think, I need to, I really need to think about these questions and hear different sides about it because i never have, I never thought that I could. And so I I just want to hear what some of these people have to say. Mm. Um, And the first person that I found was Richard Rohr. Um, I don't remember why I actually, I had listened to one of the episodes from Another Name for Everything, um, his podcast a couple years ago. And I don't, I don't actually remember what brought him to mind again in 2020, Mm. but I rediscovered his podcast and I couldn't stop listening to it. Um, And I was seeing, I was actually seeing a counselor um, at that time when I had just come home from, uh, I, I was evacuated from Africa when COVID hit. And so mm, that wow. six months before that was pretty um, intense. And I had a couple other things I was working through. So I went to see a counselor um, and he was another part of that opening up for me. Mm. Um, and he knew about Richard Rohr. He suggested um, Blue Light Jazz by Donald Miller. Okay, yeah. Um, some other people like Pete Inns. And he mm. really helped me. Uh, find some of these people and find the um, freedom to explore this stuff more. So Richard Rohr, um, Pete Inns, the Bible for Normal People podcast. Um, those were those were two of the big voices that I started listening to. Um, and then I started, uh, I found Tim Mackey from the Bible Project. Yeah. Um, and of course I knew about the Bible Project and I love their <laughs> videos, but I didn't really know who Tim Mackey was. Yeah. Um, and so uh, my friend Blake, who mm. Blake and I do a podcast together called Rethinking Christianity, um, but he's the one that really got me 
listening to Tim Mackey again on his podcast, um, mm-hmm. the Bible, the Bible project podcast. Yeah. And then he has one personally that's called exploring my strange Bible. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So I just started listening to all these kind of podcasts and, you know, they all talk about each other. So you hear one name on one podcast. Yeah, and you're like, oh, exactly. I got to check that person out. And you hear about maybe Pete's talking about a book on an episode and you're like, oh man, I need to read that book. And you mm. read that book and then you find a new author. And um, yeah. so it just kind of expanded from there, you know, um, mostly in the, in this deconstruction world is uh, kind of where I've been listening to a lot of people lately. And that's a very broad term is what I've come to understand. Like you yeah. were saying, it covers a lot. It's a very nuanced term mm. and you're going to get a different answer based on who you talk too. Yeah. And what I'm seeing right now too, this is kind of a tangent from your question, but um, people who have not experienced deconstruction mm. have no idea what it is. Yeah. Um, but those who are experiencing what we are referring to as deconstruction, this changing of beliefs or mm. whatever that means, because some people, it means leaving their faith altogether. Yeah. For some yeah. people, it means re-examining things, renovation, mm-hmm. changing stuff. You know, Brian Zahn talks about the house, yeah. the theological house, and how some rooms need to be renovated, some need to be torn down. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot of there's a lot of miscommunication out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and because that that word has become so triggering to yeah. evangelical Christians, there once they hear it it's like a shutdown and nobody wants to talk or listen anymore. Yeah. Uh, It's like, um, I I think we don't need to go on this tangent, but I think it's the same as like critical race theory. Yeah. It's that same like trigger of like, Oh, instead of trying to understand what this is about, we're just gonna Mm -hmm. shut it down. Um, and it's cause it's, you know, it's that fear. It's that, I mean, psychologically, right. It's like, Oh, this is a threat and it's challenging the way that I see the world. Yeah. Tucker Carlson said that it's going to destroy my kids. So uh, I got to watch out, (laughs) but I'm not going to do any research into what it, what it actually is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, But I think, yeah, I think with that, one thing that I kind of want to get into real quick is, you know, you mentioned Pete ends and I watched a video of him the other day that he was, he was talking about like the stages of a deconstructing faith. And he said something that is basically along the lines of cognitive dissonance. And he said the word disorientation. Um, And he said that that actually comes before any active attempt to deconstruct. So like, you know, we, we tend to talk about deconstruction or an evolving faith or a reconstruction or whatever word or phrase people feel comfortable using Mm -hmm. as like an active process, right? Like this is something that we are doing. And Pete says that that is true, but that disorientation which is like that feeling of things not adding up right it's that um you know to to speak of cognitive dissonance it's basically like your the way that you see the world or that you thought you see the world is no longer lining up with your experiences in the world yeah and so that's a very um like it causes like uh disequilibrium right Mm -hmm. um and i think off your feet a bit yeah and it's like what you you know, and so then what makes that even worse is if you are trying to talk to, let's say your friends about it, right? And so yeah. 
for you and I, both, I mean, we both grew up in the same church for quite a long time, lived in, um, you know, I still currently live in Noonan, but, you know, we're both from pretty similar area. I know for me, when I started experiencing what Pete would call that disorientation of the faith, it, yeah. it was very lonely and extremely mm-hmm. tough to be like, okay, who are safe people that I can talk to these questions yeah. about? Because yeah. you start talking to some people and then you're like, oh, frick, I know that they love me. I know that they care about me, but this is not what I need. Like right. what I'm receiving is not helpful. And it's actually, and sometimes it's actually hurting me. Um, yeah. And so I'm interested in this kind of a twofold question, but one is like, you know, um, first off, I, I love the name of the podcast that you and Blake co-host called Rethinking Christianity. Um, but my, but with that is just the reality that uh, with rethinking Christianity, it's also faith is also an embodied thing. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to feel that disorientation, it's a, like, it's not just in our head, it's also in our bodies yeah. and our, our emotions. And mm-hmm. so like, what were those, what were those emotions for you during the past few years as you're trying to figure things out? Like, yeah, just what were you what were you feeling? Right. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's not all in our heads. And so I'm just interested in what that was like. Yeah. Well, I I'd say some of the top emotions were fear, Mm. um, anxiety, you know, loneliness, like you mentioned. Um, and I know that many people will probably use that to say, okay, that there's the proof you shouldn't be deconstructing. You shouldn't be thinking about this stuff because yeah. look at where it's getting you. That's the yeah. enemy. He's, he's, this is the proof yeah. that you're going down the wrong path. And if you were really going further towards God, closer to God, yeah. you wouldn't be feeling those things. But yeah. that comes from such a, a crazy place to think that those emotions should not be explored and should never be experienced. Mm. Those are human emotions yeah. Um, and they can point us somewhere. And if yeah. we learn how to go through them and experience them, um, then I think that there's real gold to be found mm. on the other side. And so I, I had this sense that um, even though I was feeling those things, it didn't mean that I was going further away from God. Yeah meant that yeah uh my foundation is being rocked and that's Mm. a good thing it's showing me the foundation that i have been standing on uh that wasn't solid that Mm. wasn't representative of the the heart and the ways of jesus um and that foundation needs to be re-examined that those walls that were protecting me need to come down because they're actually harming other people Mm. um they're harming me too because they're actually keeping me from god um and so when i when i started to see the the fear and the anxiety not as a a warning sign but as a okay you know what this is probably telling me that i have leaned a little bit too much on my own understanding of things and now that i'm having these questions and i'm feeling anxious about it it, it might not be saying anything about God. It's probably saying more about me and, yeah. and what I have found safety in. Um, 
And so that made me want to lean into it more, even though it's hard, you know, I mean, you definitely, especially if you grow up in the evangelical world, you have that part, that voice in your head, that's constantly telling you you're going to hell because you read that book. Oh, you, you listen to that author. Oh, you disagree with, with that person now. Oh, well, you're falling away and God's Mm. not, you're disobeying and God's not going to love you anymore because of that. Maybe you can lose your salvation, you know, (laughs) like it's all those kinds of questions that pop up in your head. Yeah. And that's, that's such a real, cause it's like uh, talking with people who, you know, who didn't grow up in like the tradition that you and I grew up who, who aren't used to like that Bible belt, very evangelical Christian culture um, for, for them you know, it, it's kind of a different experience, right? But like, mm-hmm. so so I can kind of laugh at some of what you're saying right now because I have, for the most part, I've I've worked through a lot of those emotions, and it's it's I mean, it's taken, it, it's been years, right? That yeah. that I've been ongoing in this um this like stage of transition, um. But the reality is, it's like I I've had so many conversations with people, and I can look back at myself just you know, about three or four years ago, when I really started doubting and questioning and wrestling with so many things in regard to faith and Christianity and God. And those emotions are so real um, and so valid. And, and yeah, I think about myself of experiencing those fears and those anxieties. And same thing as you're saying of like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, you know, maybe I just need to run away from uh, these questions or whatever. But then I also knew that if I did that, I'd be lying to myself. You know, it's like, no, like I feel a need to address. And it's not an, it's not like this. I've had to work through this too, of like this Western mindset of, oh, I need answers. Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, cause, cause you can get into that. And then it's like, well, now you're just swinging pendulums and you're becoming a fundamentalist. Mm -hmm on whatever exactly. side exactly um, so i think you know kind of like following in the footsteps of, some, of someone like richard Rohr of like how do we reach that point of like transcendence you know becoming a mystic of like yeah. i don't i don't have to i don't have to know everything hmm. and you know luckily i i think i've i've come to uh an eschatology that is able to hold all of that you know um yeah. like there's like i I don't need to be like, oh, I need to have this black and white answer to whatever, or because if I don't, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? Um, So. Yeah. Well, that's how we're taught to think about it is stay in line. Don't, don't walk out of line, uh, out of line. Don't step out of the order or go against the flow. You know, we're always told, oh, we need to go against the throw as uh, flow as Christians and, you know, go up the beaten path. But when you actually start doing that, it's like the Christians are the first ones that really want to jump on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, cause especially when you realize that the predominant culture, <laughs> at least where, where you and I are from is like mainstream Christianity. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So but it's they just kind it's of not, they're like, Oh, yeah. it's the world. Yeah. Like <laughs> really all the only people they're talking about is the people that think like them, you yeah. know, yeah. And, and I, I like what you said earlier about, you know, it's, it's not Jesus per se that, that you, that you've ever really had to deconstruct it. it it's no. just, you know, it's because it, like, I'm the same, I'm like, dude, like I freaking love Jesus. Like I, I'm, I, I 
I wrote somewhere, I think that I said, I am both, um, uh, what did I say? I was like, I'm both um, like um, mystified by him as well as disturbed by him. Mm. <laughs> um, because, um, and again, I've had to, it's taken, you know, a lot of theological work of like trying to understand what the heck is going on in the gospels like what is this yeah. dude trying to do and he's yeah. just saying some really weird stuff um but at the end of the day i can't get past him you know what i mean like i yeah. like i i always keep going back to him but as you kind of pointed out it it was those um certain the the ways that uh i mean if i could use the word empire right? It's, it's the way that Christianity has become like this empire um, that, you know, has been used for power and domination and trying to control people. And um, yeah, just like um, all of this, like everything needs to be concrete, everything needs to be black and white, rather than this liberating, freeing, yeah. um, mystical way of seeing the world um that is you know about beauty and goodness and you know doesn't it doesn't need an evidence that demands a verdict you know what i mean yeah. um but rather something that is a whole new way of living in the world yeah um yeah i i'm just thinking about how like the the essence of faith is the is believing in the unseen right you know mm, yeah but we, it's it's as if we grow up being told that but the way that we're told to the way that we're taught to live that out is to cling to as many answers as possible you mm. know so we take every single thing literally and we we are obsessed with apologetics and these mm. these videos and these debates where people are are proving the existence of of whatever or proving that this event in the bible and we're so obsessed with maintaining the status of yeah. right you know that we're we're missing the the wandering of faith the yeah. the walking down that that path because i i feel some i feel god drawing me down there i feel god yeah. drawing me down this road or or this, like you're, like you're talking about this mystical understanding of there's something else going on here, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what faith is becoming more and more to me. It's not about having the right answers. It's not about having a firm, you know, worldview or understanding of theology. It's about trust. Mm. It's about uh, letting go and, and believing in, okay, I know that Jesus has gotten me this far and mm. I'm, I've experienced freedom in following him. And I'm going to continue to do that wherever that leads me and not worry about what anybody else has to say about it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's to some people that is again, threatening because yeah. It's like, oh, well, what do you mean? There's, I, I, I can't have my, you know, black and white answers. Yeah, I um, can't control your faith anymore. Yeah, but uh, to other people, that's, um, that's liberating and is yeah. just, in my opinion, such a more beautiful way of understanding faith, uh, and and living our lives. So, 
Um, unfortunately, our time has run out, um, but I am super thankful uh, for this conversation and um, looking forward to having some more conversations sometime soon. So yeah, absolutely. We love that. Yeah. Thanks, Caleb. You've been listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. Thanks for joining me on the journey of wrestling with the brokenness and the beauty of the world we find ourselves in. May we all be like those guys on the road to Emmaus who did indeed find what they were looking for.